Today, August 10th, it's 10.06 a.m. Eastern, a beautiful day here in Indianapolis. Uh, let me say hi uh, to our usual callers, supporters of our Block Talk Radio. Uh, Mr. Timba, good morning. Good morning, stars. Good to hear your voice. Crispy and yep. clear. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Dr. Patrick, uh, how are the Carolinas? Good morning. Wakalini Ndume. Dr. Patrick, we know. Mr. Good morning, Mr. Vice President. How are you? 
I'm sorry, I'm Mr. Carpe. You well know that he's in the UK, right? Uh-huh. Who's in the UK? Who's in the UK, Nathan? Yes, you know, no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Nathan is busy back there. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bella, good uh, good morning. How are you? Hi, Kelvin. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Titus, thank you for the uh, show in the previous segment. Yeah, good morning. Good How are you? Good morning, uh, Kevin. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. More will come out in Dallas. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I'm standing in for Roger this morning. Uh, he's out on uh, a, a well-deserved uh, vacation. It's obviously not easy to fill uh, Roger's big shoes, but uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Uh, so today, uh, the focus of our conversation, and uh, believe it or not, I was uh, notified at 10 p.m. last night, uh, to be a standing host. Uh, I've spent uh, the last uh, eight hours brainstorming on what to talk about. Uh, one topic of interest that I would like us to talk about is how we are going to transform education. I, I like focusing on uh, Zambia, on Africa, because I think, uh, you know, that's where, you know, most of the stuff kind of like lag. Uh, and when I talk about transforming education, I'm looking at moving from the traditional education we practice today uh, to a more competency-based uh, education system. Now, uh, competency-based education uh, is an approach which basically allows students to advance uh, based on their ability to master a skill or competency, and this is at their own pace regardless of environment. <laughs> Uh, I believe this method is, is tailored to meet different uh, learning abilities and can lead to more efficient students. Uh, and the reason for bringing this up, uh, I think I, will, I related it to a statement made by uh, Dr. Fred Membe, who is uh, a uh, leader of the, I believe, Socialist Party in Zambia. Uh, his uh, statement was, any parent who will not send their child to nursery at the age of three will be sent to prison. I'm not sure that's the right statement to make, given that uh, uh, there's so much that needs to be done uh, in, in terms of our education system, uh, infrastructure, remuneration, and the like. So I'll go ahead and kick it off, uh, Timpa, with, uh, with you. Uh, what kind of uh, solutions can we bring as we endeavor to transform the education system? Thank you very much. Uh, First of all, I think we, we have so much about what our education system should be and could be. Um, I think the biggest part has always been funding. How can we fund the modern education system in Zambia? What are your suggestions, Calvin? Uh, okay. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, traditionally, yes, we have, uh, especially for the public schools, we have uh, relied on government funding. But one of the things, uh, you know, that uh, crosses my mind is, uh, you know, part of the, the transformation on the aspect of funding can be, uh, you know, having these schools engage in, uh, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, uh, uh, businesses. Uh, for instance, uh, a school in uh, the rural areas can own a farm. Uh, and uh, the parents of those kids going to that school 
can uh, work the farm. Um, that could, uh, you know, raise money to support the school, enhance the community, and make sure there's continuity for the kids to, you know, afford uniforms, uh, afford school supplies, uh, and, and focus more on their education. That's, uh, that's just my thought process. Uh, Dr. Patrick, uh, that, that question from Ntimpa, anything uh, you, you would add on to my response? No, I, I, I find that it's, 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 it's intriguing always when we're, we're touching on education and it's from various ends, but we all bring it together on Zambia Block Talk Radio. So I'm, 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 I'm all ears and in full support of, of what you're going to talk about tonight or today. Awesome. Mr. Pianchi, you want to rein in? <clears throat> Well, uh, Kevin, I'd have to know what your goals are. Uh, you know, uh, the, the old idea of taking children and directing them into certain areas of need, I think that's a good idea. I've seen it work with uh, the Indians' uh, population. And one of the reasons why you have a drawback is because your, many of your children don't have opportunity to see other people doing things. Uh, you have limited internet access, if not at all. I don't know what your your TV is, but uh, you know, I, I think that you should take groups of, of of people and take them through uh, young people and take them through uh, see where they are. Where they there's ways to measure the what type of uh, how a child will perform in a certain area. You know they do it with sports. And it doesn't have to be an absolute, but it can get you some in some sort of direction. If you want to have a, a particular a number of kids in STEM fields, then start introducing them to that very early. Electronics, start introducing them that very early. Uh, let them make these decisions. They're going to make decisions on what they have, what's ingrained in their minds. And uh, when you're coming from a disadvantaged position where you don't have opportunity to see a variety and experience a variety of things, then it's going to be very limited. Okay. So so just to maybe uh, respond to your question about what the goal is, uh, like I said in my uh, introductory remarks, we're looking at uh, transforming to a competency-based education model, right? Uh, so, so with this model, what we're saying is we want to produce uh, a student populace that has mastered a certain skill. Because uh, right now, what it takes is you have, you know, a certain number of subjects, you know, biology, physics, chemistry, math, English. But, you know, you, you, you have to pass certain tests and an exam uh, to be certified as, you know, having graduated, right? But then what skills are we taking to industry from, you know, from our 12 years of, of primary and secondary education? So maybe maybe let me route that question to you, Bella. Uh, uh, based on Intempa's question, how do we fund this transformation? Because funding is yeah. obviously a huge huge bottleneck. Some uh, cut of that in terms of how you would fund such a transformational way of educating. I think I need some more time to think on that one and just like call it okay. out on the discussion. Not, not, not tell him. Yes, yes, go ahead. 
why is Mr. Bella is uh, make, making the calculations? Uh, what I know is, and um, I think Dr. Patrick can help me here, is that, um, for example, in the United States, public schools are funded, uh, I think, to the tune of about 8% from the federal government and okay. about 50% from the and then the rest is um, is funded locally. So the problem we have in the Zambian situation, as you mentioned, that um, schools can have ventures, you know, fundraising ventures, you know, that can help them generate income uh, to run schools and pro and ambitious programs like the one you're talking about. Is that is is because of the poverty levels, you know. A school, for example, in Kasama, uh, with um, peasants as the majority residents who send their children to school, would be very hard for them to, you know, try to to raise, for example, the cost of up to 35 percent to run um, a school. You know. Okay. So. Well, that's where the, the 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 government, the Republic of the government of the Republic of Zambia, has to step up. I, I didn't look up the the figures of what percentage of the Zambian budget goes to education now, but I know be, from before when I was very conversant with uh, the statistics, it was it was had the highest was like four five percent, you know, and that's very little. So, 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 uh, as of uh, the last budget uh, in 2018, uh, 15.3% was uh, allocated to education. Now, what, what that translates to in terms of uh, quarter or dollar terms, I'm, I'm not pretty sure, but is it sufficient then to handle the, the suggested transformation? I think that's a, that's a big question we can ask. Na uh, Nathan? Could, uh, could I oh, answer that question? He was... Yeah, who was that, Titus, that was asking a question about the funding? Uh, it was... Uh, Claytus. Claytus, I'm sorry. Claytus in, <laughs> in, the United, <laughs> in the United States, and I can speak very thoroughly for the state of Missouri and maybe a few others. The funding first comes from the local concerns. We have school district that's 97% locally. 97% uh, of their revenue comes from the local concerns. Then you have the federal government. That is, that the school district accepts certain programs that the federal government offers. Uh, the most common one is Title I, which allows free and reduced lunches. But that can only be, you know, that may be only 10%. Then the rest can come from the state. So uh, that's how school districts in, in, in the United States are funded. Right, mm -hmm. right. Okay. Uh, Nathan, you want to rein in? It's it's a, the Zambian scenario is a, is a little bit of a challenge because apart from the resources that come from the what you call it the government and you see in Zambia we can't say state government or federal government just the government because we don't have a federal system of government so apart from that funding which comes from the government the only other projects that the school the individual schools do is the initiatives that, uh, what do you call it, the PTAs, the Parent Teachers Association, that they come up with. So th that's what makes it very challenging. And uh, uh, 
it's 15% going back to this, uh, did you say 15.3 uh, Kelvin? Uh, yes, 15.3%. Hmm. Yeah, because the thing is, well, Cletus has already said he doesn't have the figures in front of him. Do we know how much goes to defense? Uh, we, I mean, we can, we can definitely look, uh, we can look that up. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you I'll see look the it up soon. I'll provide the answers. Okay. okay. You Great. see, the reason I'm raising that up, the reason I'm raising that point, Kelvin and everybody, Pianki here, is that uh, our certain government or our government wastes resources to the to channel the resources to defense which doesn't necessarily need those those resources i, I know defense is a, is a is a huge budget in any economy whichever country you look at but i wish there was a way they could find a way to sort of just you know level it take it a little lower and try to give in our economies in comparison to big economies, which we cannot, the comparison doesn't even arise. Don't get me wrong. In our economies, the, ma the major resources, in my opinion, should go to education, uh, health, and probably, I don't know the third one, I can't quickly remember it. And the infrastructure. Okay, what is defense? This is for the 2018, and I'm looking at the central statistics figures. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the general public service got 44% of the budget. 44. Defense got 44%. Uh huh. The defense got 9%. Education Nine, okay. got 9% too. Nine percent. So those are the, okay. the, so I think those are the, your interests, right? Yeah, yeah. This this is good. This Education is got the nine percent. That was the 2018, 2019 budget, and and uh, defense got nine percent, and general public service got forty four. So forty four. So, okay. So, so general public service. That's basically the what you call it, the, the civil service, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's so, the civil so, service. So, so here's, uh, here's one line of uh, here's one line of uh, discussion. I would like to you know uh, bring this to. So within the education budget, uh, there's uh, funds allocated for construction of uh, new schools. Now, when we look at that 15 percent, are we saying it's enough to construct schools as well as uh, you know provide uh, good learning environments for our kids because. Uh, when we talk about transforming the, the education system, yes, it does include, uh, you know, providing things like uh, practical labs, uh, for instance, uh, you know, good school environments, uh, good uh, healthy toilet environments. But is, is no, do you think uh, the 15% of the budget allocated to education is enough to bring education, you know, uh, uh, to you know to a mastery or skill level for for our children? No, no, I don't. Uh, I, I think it's time that uh, I think our schools have to stop depending entirely on 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 the government. I think okay. parents, parents and schools 
have to start to do some programs on their own to start supplementing for for the school. I mean, like if my children go to school, and I, there's some things that I know that could be done that the government could not. I think the parents and the schools should get together and say, what can we do to improve this section of the school? How do we improve to get books and so on and so on and so on? Because what, what it's obvious. What suggestions would you give them? What what can they engage in to generate extra revenue? Okay, let's say let's say schools in the in the rural area. There are farmers in the rural area. There are chiefs okay. in the rural area. Who would say, okay, some farmer could donate ten acres of land and say, can these ten acres of land be be farmed? And then or give it to the school. Whatever proceeds hold, hold, hold come from here, go to there's, the school. There, yeah, there's a caller with uh, some background noise. Kindly mute your call. Thank you. Go ahead, go ahead, Noah. Uh, yes, I was saying. Let's say in a village, you know, the chief in the village could say, "Okay, the village will donate ten acres of land to 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 the school." I mean, can we cultivate everybody in the village? Can we cultivate maize? Can we cultivate something? And all the proceeds go to the school. That could be done. Um, to supplement for whatever the government cannot do. To build the toilet, so, the chief can so, say, so you know, like can a people... Community, a community-funded yes. uh, approach. Okay, I like that. I like that. Yes. Uh, yes. That's, that's a good that's idea. Was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let me, that's what I would say. Sorry, no, let me bring in uh, let me bring in caller seven oh five last four zero four four six. Hi Kelvin. Seven uh, it's Kelvin. Hi, hi. Yeah, I've been hey, yes, uh, first of all, um, good morning to everyone. And uh yeah, very good discussion there about education. I uh, I agree that the Zambian government is probably not uh, putting enough money towards education, as we've heard from the statistics that Antipa um, mentioned. But I right. think in terms of transformation, perhaps it's not so much that we need to pump in more than what we already have. It's a matter of organizational thinking and um, really just changing the curriculum so that we... Um, sort of bring it to a point where we are looking at skills and looking at the needs of the country and uh, emphasizing because it's pointless producing lawyers in tens of thousands and yet they have no job. So um, yeah. what I don't know is how much money you need to just do that. I think it's going back to the drawing board. We already have people in power, people in um, positions of influence, and uh, if they were doing their job and thinking outside the, the box, I think we would uh, start seeing changes in our curriculum to transform education. But I do agree that funding for a poor country um, is, is really, uh, the, it leaves much to be desired in that regard. Right. Uh, and, Doc, I, I, I like uh, the, the point you've brought in, and I've always said uh, 1991, or prior to 1991, mm -hmm. we had the problem with uh, transport. When the MMD came yeah. in, uh, they removed duty on, uh, you know, buses. The transport sector was sorted out. The next thing they yeah. uh, worked on was removing duty on uh, agricultural implements, equipment, and, you know, things like that. 
uh, I think that uh, kind of like improved uh, our agriculture. So we can use the same model on education. Uh, I know the transformation would take time. It requires funding. But if we applied that same model, I think we would get to a point where, you know, we start appreciating that investment in education. Uh, having said that, Titus, uh, what, you know, what, what would be your, your honing in uh, on this? Not just funding. Let's also look at uh, transforming the curriculum because uh, there's been talk, obviously, you know, for the past uh, you know, two, three decades that Zambia produces uh, half-baked graduates. So how can we make, uh, you know, these students skilled at graduation, for instance, to contribute to industry? Well, uh, I think uh, what can be done is uh, when you come to the curriculum, I think I used to study about all these Mussolini and Lenin and all that Russian history, which is kind of important, but I think that should be an optional thing. I don't know what school is doing today. It should be an optional thing. I think there's something that people should be able to learn and that is going to be helpful workshop or something tangible that they can use, uh, especially that the working force is not too wide for the graduates. Mm-hmm. I think we need to re- readdress the curriculum on what we are studying. Things like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and stuff is important because of the history of if you come down here to the States, you need to have that in your head to understand certain okay okay uh thank you titus call uh 717 uh last four eight zero two seven uh i want you to address this uh fred member has uh, said that uh, any parent that does not take uh, their child to nursery school at age three will be sent to prison is that uh is that fair <laughs> Uh, thank you, thank you, Kelvin. Uh, uh, thank you for taking Roger's place and uh, for your willingness to us uh, to have us. Uh, uh, good question about uh, Membe. I did read about Membe, and uh, I don't know about the reason, uh, you know, but something that uh, uh, just so we can do it without the parents take the, ki- the kids to the uh, kindergarten. But uh, while we're having this conversation, I was thinking of uh, myself. I'm very fortunate. I think I'm older than anybody uh, uh, on this uh, on this radio right now. You know, uh, I grew up in a wait, wait, Yama, wait. Nathan is a hundred years. He just looks younger. Why? Uh, I, I grew up around. I grew up around. Uh, I grew up in the seventies, and uh, you know, for most young people right now, they don't know what Zambia used to to to, to be. You know, they have it when uh, they are growing up in in a time when uh, things started going real, real uh, uh, bad. Like you just said about uh, how we're gonna fund uh, education. Most funding is coming from uh, taxes, and uh, you know how we tax uh, 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 our, our our people. You know, and uh, it's only in Zambia where you know 
you have children who are who are saying, man, when I went to school without without shoes, now look how things are, you know. Only 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 in Zambia where things have real gone down instead of going up, things have gone down, and it's because of uh, the misappropriate of uh, of uh, fund, uh, uh, Kelvin. So, so about so Yeah. If you've noticed, uh, the way I like uh, handling my shows is uh, solution-based. Solution-based, solution-based, solution-based. What are the solutions? We know what the problems are, but what solutions can we suggest? Kelvin, we need to change, uh, change of leadership. Most of these guys who are uh, leadership, some, especially the people in uh, in the administration, they don't know what they're doing. To tell you the truth, they don't okay. know what they're doing. We need the leader. Uh, we need a uh, 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 change of leadership. Okay, uh, Ntimpa, go ahead, and then after that, uh, Noah, uh, be ready for a response. I would like go to, ahead, to hint back to what um, oh. yeah, what Noah said. Uh, in Zambia, I think the. You guys have been to Zambia lately, you know that uh, we do have uh, community schools and uh, they, are, they are funded by residents. I don't mm-hmm. know if uh, any of you know that. So the idea that um, local people in Zambia should be doing something, they have been doing that. And way back when, when we were young, uh, I mean, we were still young, um, we used to have what they called the self-help, where... The community, the the parents, teachers, associations will launch a project, and um, and then um, the parents and um, guardians will, will try to do something for the school. So those things they do, they they, they still happen. Maybe they they can they can be announced to to, to perform better. But uh, what I wanted to say quickly is that um, the performance uh, in of, of uh, the education as a sector is related to other sectors. And that's why the first thing that if we're going to blame politicians, they should do is to grow the economy. You know, you can produce the best doctors. Like people always grade Zambian doctors high and Zambian nurses and Zambian teachers. So if you can't hold them and then they go find work somewhere else, it's it's like you're trying to draw water in a basket, in a basket that has holes, you know. So okay. you can't retain the cream. So you produce, and then you ro- you are robbed of uh, the, you know your products. You know, so right. all the sectors are are interrelated, such that if we have a good economy, then you, you know we, we can have the best that we are producing stay in Zambia and work for the country. Awesome. Uh, so before I uh, bring on uh, Noah, I just want to remind uh, our listeners, uh, supporters, that uh, we're having uh, our tenth. Uh, uh, business conference, 10th anniversary business conference in Dallas, Texas, September 13 and 14. Uh, take advantage of the early bed uh, specials. Uh, get your hotel rooms at $89. Uh, get your tickets. I believe, uh, Nathan, they're still 50 55 or uh, did they go $50. Up it, it, no, $50. That's the flat rate, $50, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Make, uh, make a date with us uh, September 13 and 14. It will be very, very interactive. Uh, Noah, I know you've been listening in. Uh, please hone in on uh, the education conversation. 
Oh, thank you, thank you, Kelvin. Yeah, I think this is a very, very important topic. And first of all, I apologize for the background noise. So I hope it's not too much because I'm actually driving. I'm looking for a spot where I can pull up so I can talk freely. Yeah, because I'm very, very passionate about education. So I think so. To when when you discuss or when you're talking about education, the the most important thing is you have to come up with how do you define education in a Zambian setting? Because what is applicable in the Western culture may not be applicable for a Zambian uh, populace. So mm. education simply means to educe. To educe simply means to bring forth. So when you come up with a curriculum in a school, especially like um, my, my focus on Zambia, so when you look at the settings that we have in Zambia, we have a school system that does not address Zambian problems. Because education is supposed to address and uplift people's standards and at the same time address the, uh, the problems that are encountered by the people in the local uh, uh, community. So when you define education, first of all, you have to define in terms of the problems that you want to solve. So for instance, in the way especially in the USA, they teach about uh, Western culture, sorry, Western civilization. And I remember back in the 80, 80 I think it was in 1988, there was a, a, an article in the New York Times when the African conscious movement here in the US they were uh, advocating for the uh, application or introduction of African history in the school system in the US. There was widespread objection to teaching African history. So some of the commentary or the objection was that we cannot teach African history because it will simply empower the black people. So the reason why Western culture, Western civilization is taught or American history is taught to subconsciously induce into our people, especially people here, that the Western culture is the only system that supersedes all systems. So when you look at education okay. in Zambia, you have to look at education from an African perspective. So we have to identify the problems that we face as Africans, because the problems, like I say, they are different. And also right. the curriculum that we have in Zambia actually needs to be revamped, and actually we need a complete revolution. So I think one of the callers mentioned that we need to... Uh, look at the politicians. Of course, most of the politicians do not really know what they are doing. I, they say, would not force the politicians. I think it's just lack of knowledge, because I think even the good book puts it, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So I know I can say so much. I wish I had maybe two hours to discuss on the topic. Yes, but yes. real quickly, <laughs> when you look at education, education, Education in, in most cases tend to suppress the creativity in some people. Because when you come up with a curriculum, you have to study math, uh, English, history. Some people are not very good in those areas. So you have to look at what is it that can help the community. When you look at the arts in the USA, these drama, music, and all these things, these subjects are not really emphasized in school, but the arts, play a very central role, especially in the development of other people and uh, especially the application of economic value to a country. 
So okay. back in the, just one more point. Like when you look at the Western culture, uh, the emphasis was mostly on the sciences back in the industrial age because at the time there was that shift from uh, learning how to use machinery to coming to because uh, in those days I think when when they focused on mathematics and science it was because the industrial age at the time was making a shift in the paradigm of thought. Now, when you look at what we are focusing on now, this is the information age. We have this social media. So we have to look at coming up with a curriculum that addresses the challenges that we face. So, and then last point, of course, the funding on education in Zambia. I think the U.S., of course, spends so much funding on, on defense. And then second to defense is education. Now, I think somebody quoted that the Zambian government uh, allocates at least 9%. I think that really needs to be changed. I think education is something that we have to completely revamp and come up with a completely new doc. I mean, new curriculum. I, I can actually help if the Zambian, okay. The okay, no, Zambian government is listening. I, I have to... plenty of ideas. Okay, great. So, no, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate uh, that uh, contribution, uh, Dr. Kezila. I I want to believe uh, you know you you've obviously had the opportunity to you know uh, go to school in Zambia as well as uh, maybe Canada or some other country in the Western world. Uh, what what gaps uh, you know have you noticed? from our, you know, education system or curriculum versus, you know, where, where you are? Great, great question. Thanks, thanks for that uh, question, Kelvin. Yeah, um, right off the bat, I can say that comparing the two, one, educational system is very forgiving, while the other is not. What do I mean by that? Um, back in Zambia, when you had one opportunity to pass grade seven, you had to pass. If you failed grade seven, it's pretty much uh, cutting out unless you are very wealthy and uh, your parents can send you somewhere else. Uh, form five, going to university was also a challenge. Given one chance, you're done. Uh, but he, out here in the West, um, our kids are, are, who are living here have better opportunity to find themselves uh, when they are ready to uh, to go into serious school. Um, uh, for example, uh, the system here allows for kids to choose uh, uh, subjects that they are interested in and they're not punished for that. And uh, those who are not really inclined to uh, academia are identified pretty quickly by the teachers and guided into trades. And uh, so from, say, grade 10, 11, you already start uh, going for apprenticeships in, in those areas, the electricians and so on and so on. And so you end up having a balance. Um, so in my own personal experience is that I think um, – we have to look at Zambia in different eras, um, the early 60s after independence, 70s, 80s, and so on. So we can't just categorize everything and say uh, Zambian education is like that. Which era? If we're talking about currently, right. I think we're in trouble. In the past, right. uh, somebody alluded to Zambian doctors uh, being highly regarded. They were highly right. regarded those days. 
because they, they, we had the right teachers, we had the facilities, and so we could thrive. Not sure about now. Maybe things are changing. So, um, yeah, I, I think without taking too much of your time, that's sort of the nitpicks I can uh, comment on. Right. Just along uh, those lines, uh, uh, do you think, uh, and just real quick, do you think, uh, yes. you know, Zambian doctors were regarded highly, uh, maybe, you know, uh, in the diaspora because the UNIP government had uh, agreements with uh, Russia, with Cuba to train uh, Zambian doctors? Could that have uh, contributed to that? Uh, on the contrary, it's actually okay. Zambian trained. Uh, Reachway campus trained ah. doctors that were highly regarded. In fact, at one point when we saw somebody come from Russia, when you looked at their skills and uh, what they learned, wasn't comparable really uh, to, the, okay. to what we were uh, being subjected to. But I would say that by the 1980s, when the economy tanked, uh, 90s, early 80s, 90s, standards dropped real bad. Um, that's okay. part of the reason I left and went to study abroad in internal medicine, because when you looked at UTH, there was no facilities. You couldn't do lab work. You couldn't do a right. blood count or CBC on a patient. So everything you learned was theoretical based on the right. book and maybe a little bit of clinical work on the ward. And the teachers were not there. It, it was frustrating. So... That was what led to some of the brain drain we're seeing because uh, you had to look at individually, what do I want to do? Um, am I going to wait for government to send me for an MPH and become a district officer forced on me? No, right. but I'm made to be an internal medicine physician. So I'm going to go right. in my way. So, yeah, th that's, that's the way I see it. But I think Ridgeway had uh, the basic training was really solid. The foundation was good. Uh, but when you wanted to get higher levels of training, you had to really go abroad where there was a richer um, environment uh, for learning. I, I learned in South Africa in the early 90s, and it was amazing just how much uh, the knowledge gap there was uh, between right. what okay. I left back home and what I learned. So anyway. Okay. But Thank I you for that, can, uh, and, and I hope yeah. as diaspora we can be part of the transformation of Reinjecting, um, you know, uh, the standards, uh, helping, and, and not again. Dr. Patrick always says, "Don't go there with, uh, with I know it all attitude," and and he's absolutely right. But I think uh, okay. a high time Zambian government tapped on every Zambian across the world, everywhere, to try and say, "Look, come back, let's work together." Right. Okay. Thank, thank you for that, Doc. Cletus, uh, you're you're a uh, statistician. Uh, what is the optimal teacher-to-student or class ratio that would enhance, uh, you know, more student-focused uh, uh, education? Cletus? Was that question too hard? I was on mute. Is, is that question too no. hard? <laughs> It's not, too, it's not too hard. I was on mute. I was okay. listening to, I just wanted to draw my, I said, and uh, he has put it so squarely correct. Um, yes. The, 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 the thing is, uh, going back to your, your question, Kelvin, um, the pupil student rate in Zambia has been high, you know, it's been during the calendar days. 
so it and it's very helpful when it's low because then the, yes. the teacher or you know the lecturer will, will, will give more attention to individual students and they learn more and more. Um, but the, the 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 thing that that really we we should focus on is is the funding. You know what what the doctor said was that uh, things were deteriorating and they couldn't have material and and stuff and that could be found um, outside in other schools and other countries is what we need in Zambia. How can we fund? And then even if they fund. Um, 2018, it was 8% and, and uh, 9%, and 20, I think it went up like almost close to 50% to 100% to 15% in 2019 budget, as, as you correctly put it, Kelvin. But mm-hmm. that is not enough because that same money will have to, you, you know, to be corruptly distributed, and some of it will not end up to what it is meant to, to do uh, right. for our country. But, right. but you know, uh, we do have we do have teachers that graduated that can be put on the payroll because there's no money, you know. So right. if we had more teachers, then that ratio would definitely reduce. Right. You know, Kevin, uh, uh, if I could say something. Yeah. yeah. Whoever called in and said that you have a profitable enterprise <clears throat> that funds your school or your organization, whether it's farming or whatever, and the the ideal is about fifteen to one. Plus, you need to have a student aid. I mean, a teacher's aid. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you've got trade schools or something like that, I wouldn't go no more than maybe thirty in a class, maybe twenty five. But you starting mm-hmm. off in your elementary schools, probably fifteen students per instructor, and there should be a. Uh, a teacher's aide also right. to help that instructor. Right. And and in answer that funding is simple. Uh profitable enterprises fund businesses, not sorry, organizations and schools. Now here's the point, Kevin. You're not yeah. gonna be able to do the entire all the children in, in Zambia, you're not gonna be able to do all that at one time. If you right. got a village if you have a village, concentrate on that village and make it the working model, then everyone else, including government or whoever, would look at it and say, this is what we want to be or this is what we want to build off of and go forward. Okay. Uh, so so thank you for that, uh, Mr. Pianchi. Uh, no, obviously the common theme here is funding, funding, funding. Uh, you have uh, probably, you know, seen videos of people in Munilunga discovering gold. How can how can our leaders manage this discovery? Not that this is the fir- first mineral, you know, to, to 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 be discovered or to be mined in Zambia. But how can we manage this resource in order to make sure that it generates enough revenue for us to invest in education? No. Okay, this 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 I think would go back to the topic we had a few months ago about decentralization. I think if every if if Northwestern Province had the ability to how do I say it to 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 reap more from the proceeds of of this mineral 
and develop their state. I think education, including education, I think that would be one of the ways I would think. Let's say they, for example, there is a toll gate in in, in Zambezi. The money for that toll gate, I think 50% of it should go to the development of Zambezi, meaning it could also be education. If there was a fishing industry in another state, let's say in, in, in northern province, the industry, the people of that area should be able to to generate more money for that state in, in turn help out with, with, with education. So if there were minerals in, in, in Winnelunga and the state of Winnelunga, I mean, not that it's a state of its own, but if they were able to run that uh, industry on their own, I think that would help with, because they know what they need in, in, in Winnelunga. They know what they need in, in, in Northwestern province. So they would be able to deal with, with those minerals the way that they think is appropriate. And I think if education was on the top list, then Northwestern province would be what Bianchi said, where other people would look and say, if Northwestern province can do it, then we can also have an industry in this, in this province that can do it. And then other, other provinces will start doing the same thing. So I think okay. the minerals, if, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would think. That's okay. a good idea, uh, Kevin. Awesome. But say same question. How can we manage uh, the discovery of gold to ensure that it benefits uh, Winnelunga and Northwestern Province? Back to where? Oh, so, sorry, I was on the mute. Uh, how can we manage the discovery of gold in uh, in uh, in Winnelunga right now? Yes. It will go to uh, the people who are enlightened to go there and get involved in uh, uh, government. And when I say that, it's people who's going to respect the laws and who's going to be enforce the laws. Let's say if there was uh, uh, someone is smuggling, a police officer who's going to go and arrest somebody with, uh, with, with, without no questionable character of that individual, you know? And when okay. that individual is prosecuting somebody, it makes that that person he has no bag, no no, no baggage uh, 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 in background, you know, in a, in a, in a things. So, Kelvin, that's a very for right now for us to be because we are already messed up. We are already messed up. We have no accountability. We have no uh, what. So for us to get to the account or to uh, that discovery to contribute to economy, it would take people with morals, with character, with education, with enlightened mind that, you know, a thousand dollars, if you have a million dollars in account, I don't need 10,000, uh, I mean, 10, 10 million to survive. Let the others, uh, you know, go in the, in the economy, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, we have a very good discussion this morning, and uh, I hope you people who have experience who have been outside the country, coming from uh, background, and, uh, and uh, please allow me just one more minute. Go ahead. Breakfast for me before I came to this country, you know. 
yali ma, ma, ma uh, na lalanda mchibemba because the folks are disappointed breakfast ine yali ma 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 nani ama buya ya mbeba you know Oh, ero
take uh, take this as a you know an opportunity for 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 you to come and interact uh, with uh, the voices on the radio. Uh, we will be uh, hosting also uh, Dr. Ngosa Simbiakula, who is the ambassador, Zambian ambassador to the U.S. Oh, it's Titus here. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, now I'll just add up to uh, the conference that we're having, a business conference in Dallas. We should be able to extend the invitations to all our friends. And also we can consider it as almost a family reunion. I think I met you, Kevin, once when I was in Indiana. But there's a lot of yeah. other people that we can come up. And uh, I always tell people, sometimes don't use the theory of when I go to what am I going to get. Uh, I can't tell you now, but this thing come up. Uh-huh. Just to be Kevin. Okay. So, so on top of the hour, thanks for that, uh, Titus. On top of the hour, uh, we're going to have just 30 minutes, apparently. Uh, it's not a two-hour show today. It's an hour and a half. So in the next 30 minutes, I still want to circle back to the discovery of gold in, uh, in Munilunga uh, and, and how, you know, we can harness this new resource to, you know, generate revenue and fund those sectors that are lacking. Uh, Dr. Kazili, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how how can we manage these resources, you know, accountably, you know, transparently, uh, and have them, you know, benefit uh, our country? Uh, yeah, a great point. Um, I think when we look at the history of Zambia and how we've dealt with uh, wealth that uh, different provinces have, uh, the I think an earlier person, I think it was Mr. who said that we are too centralized. Uh, the system of governance we have is centered in Lusaka. And uh, one can see, even by merely visiting Zambia, that Lusaka gets the lion's share of everything. When you're in Lusaka, certain suburbs are like you're in Joburg. But you contrast that to, say, Solwezi. Complete difference. And yet, the copper that's keeping the country going for now comes from Solwezi. Yet Solwezi looks like a shanty compound. This has got to change. Um, I like the idea that people who live in that area, their, their forefathers have lived there for centuries, should have some kind of benefit when some kind of wealth is discovered in that part of the country. You can't take everything to Lusaka and share it among the politicians and so on. And, and develop Lusaka so that the outside world has a false impression of what the country is doing. So the first step is, I agree, we have to think really serious about decentralization, at least to an extent, um, so that in terms of economic power, so that the people who have that resource can hone in on it and become experts at that resource. And uh, as somebody said, maybe if they are uh, empowered, they might start having small projects with the resources they're getting, and, and that could be blueprints to, for the rest of the country to follow. So we need, we need to empower local people to have wealth that belongs to them and not take away everything. So uh, okay. I think that's what I understand. So the case of Minilunga, we have to think hard. But how can we 
let the pe- local people so harness on it. I know they may not have the skills to be able to do, to make to uh, set up a gold mine, but certainly you can. Uh, we can get input from uh, the experts and uh, you know tech, uh, technical people to actually guide them. But at least well, they Kevin, have the chair and ownership. And to I, I that. Yeah. Sure. Yes, Titus, go go ahead real quick. I have a question for for Ntimpa and uh, you know anybody else that uh, you know will have a response to it. But go ahead. Sure. Are you saying I can go ahead? Yes, yes, go ahead. Okay. On the same Winilunga that you're asking, I think me I would solicit for some of these targets should not be for road construction. All these places, many longer should have a target where you have a percentage of whatever is pulled out from there, where they pay the area MP, the chief around that area, those should be in the board where anything that goes out there, because this issue of decentralizing, the people in these politicians are going to make sure that it doesn't happen. But the only other way to deal with it is to demand a target that anything coming out pays a fraction of the value. So whoever it is, whether it's the government pulling out, they pay and that money remains. You need a target and you need a bank. Everything coming out, you get a percentage and that money remains at that bank in the jurisdiction of those people, the chief area MP governor, all those people that are around, including the locals, to dictate how we should develop that area. Otherwise, you get this money in Lusaka and you have to be begging for it from any longer. Right, right. Uh, Ntimpa, uh, Dr. Kajira talked about decentralization. uh, This is not a new song uh, in Zambia. The system of governance is such that we have uh, central government and you know, district uh, or, or or city councils. Uh, we have uh, decried uh, the high levels of financial mismanagement at central government level. Mm. But how mm. effective? Mm. How effective would the city councils, uh, who are more in, in tune with uh, you know the the communities, how effective would empowering the city councils through decentralisation help shoring up the lives of our people in these communities? Um, first of all, you know, can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Hello? Oh, okay, cool. Um, uh, the cry about uh, decentralizing in Zambia has been there, I think, uh, since the calendar days. You know, on paper, it really sounds very, very good. And the reason why <laughs> it doesn't work well is because some of uh, our districts in Zambia, you know, and I'm proud to say I've been I've been to about 76 that time. I know they have created more, but they are within the same the same country. So I've been to a lot of places in Zambia. There are districts that have not as much resources as others. So, for example, if if you if you met you compare Kitwe to Gwembe, you know, Kitwe has super mines. You know, it has farms. You know, it has good rainfall. It has good soil. So if you say Kitwe should manage all those resources and then the government, the, the central government will be getting like maybe a percentage of that, 
it will be so, so rich that when they will have really literally nothing, you know. So the system that they made in Zambia is that let's have a central government. Then all the resources are put together. Then we distribute them according to the needs of our demographic uh, populations in Zambia. That is a very, very good system for a country that is one Zambia, one nation, and uh, a republic, you know. The, the, the reason we don't see those things go in the development down to the roots in rural areas, in peri-urban areas, to farmers, to peasant farmers, is because we don't have well-managed control. So the, the biggest problem is the control. How do we manage our resources? All the budgets in Zambia look very, very good on paper. The implementation is something else. Okay. Uh, can I, Dr. can I have a rebuttal to that? Or, uh, uh, yes, yes uh, but let, let, me, let me ask a Dr. Quick. Patrick this. Okay, okay, sure. real quick. Yeah, um, I think if you've listened to uh, politicians like KBF and uh, even uh, uh, Harry Kalava, your point, Sintipa, is being addressed in some of the new ideas that every area, even Gwembe, if you go to Gwembe and look carefully, you see some kind of potential that Gwembe has over Kitwe. So the, the onus is upon us to say, okay, Southern Province, if it's good for agriculture, hone in on that. And, 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 let's, and, and that's where the government now allows certain areas that have a resource to keep some money, but of course there'll be taxes. Or they can then that will enable government to develop new industries and think outside the box rather than just looking at a, a, a cow and milk it to till it's dead. You know, we, we need to be creative. That's all. That's all. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Dr. Patrick. Uh, I just want to put it out there that uh, I'm an opponent of uh, making comparisons between Zambia in this case and the U.S. But in your experience, uh, what model do the counties here, the, the townships, what models do they use, uh, you know, to, to enhance uh, communities in these counties that Zambia can probably learn from? I think it, you don't necessarily have to use a U.S. model as a comparison to step forward. I think we could use a new model. And the new model is what we've been talking about for the longest, which is not to enter an environment as a diasporian. Uh, what we should do is use contacts such as um, Titus, uh, Cletus and yourself and Titus, in which we could reach out to the community in Minirungo or Suwezi and offer to them our expertise or our suggestion and ideas and have them in turn reach out to us with respect to how one can step forward with educational ideas and goals. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to do what we're suggesting to do if we're the outreachers, if we're the ones that are going in suggesting how best they can operate or how best they can utilize their goal to improve the educational system. I think what we need to do is have 
or, or suggest or target identify identify some individuals in these communities to to hopefully reach out to us and ask for opinions and suggestions. I think that's the best way we can utilize the program. Many of the diaspora uh, communities have have done the the model or use the model of reaching into saying, oh, you discovered gold, you discovered silver. This is how you can best utilize it. I think we should take the the um, innovative way of having them reach out to us as to how best they can apply or utilize the discovery of gold. Okay. Uh, Noah, same line. Noah, can you speak about uh, effective resource management yeah. uh, to benefit the communities? The, uh, where I am, there's a little bit of noise, so I don't. I think I'll pass because I think uh, there's a little bit of noise in the background here. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. I'm, I'm just uh, listening. I'm just listening. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Noah. Okay. Uh, so your your question was about the benefiting. Okay. Now, uh, it, it, uh, I'm going back a little bit to, to what Cletus was saying about how difficult it would be to 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 let one area be rich and and and, and the other one not. They, it could be a percentage of those proceeds go to the province, and and, and a bigger percentage could go to to the government where they can di- distribute everywhere else. It doesn't mean that that particular uh, uh, resources just go to the state. No, the state, the province can take a percentage, and the government can take a larger percentage, which they could uh, distribute to to other provinces. That's number one. Number two, if can you imagine if in if, if I live in in, in Solwezi, I know what uh, people in Solwezi want. If we, if us, the people in Soweto, can go to the member of parliament to say, listen, we have uh, copper here in Soweto, and we think, as a people, this is what it needs to be used for. The, the member of parliament will, in turn, be inclined to listen to, 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 to the people because those are the people who voted for him, and if he doesn't listen, they might not vote for him. They know what's needed. I know what's needed in Brentwood in my neighborhood. I know what the education, what, what, what the kids need in school. So I could go to my member of parliament and say, listen, we don't have these in schools. We don't have these in hospitals. So this is what we need. We get it or we don't vote you in. So that benefits my neighborhood because I know what I need. So it will be the same as, as, as in Zambia, people in a town getting together and saying this is what we need, go to the MP and say this is what we need in our schools or in our hospitals. So that but, but benefits. Noah, the, Noah yes. don't you think, uh, don't you think uh, when one party is voted out of power, that, mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that is a protest by the people saying you have not delivered on our needs? Don't you think that but is happening? But if you if you have, then you you don't have, you, you don't have to worry. If you have delivered what the people need, then what would you be what would be your worry? You wouldn't have to worry because you have delivered. Unless you haven't, then you would be scared to say, okay, what what are the people going to do? Because you haven't delivered. That's what I would say. 
Okay, Dr. Kazila, do you think uh, the bottleneck is the fact that uh, there's too much power placed in the leaders? Absolutely. In fact, uh, just pointing out on, uh, just, just comment on Noel's comment about MP. Haven't you heard over and over again our head of state saying, vote for our guy, then development will come to you? Haven't you heard right. that song over and over? That is where yeah. it's all wrong. That's where it's all wrong. It's based on appeasement, and political appeasement is, is what the, the politicians are uh, using. So sometimes they deliberately lock the people because that, those, that province didn't vote for us, so we're not going to really put money there. And I think that thinking has to change. Uh, if you are a leader of the whole country, you've got to think of how can we harness this, this potential to the maximum so that in the end, uh, everyone else will benefit. If Northwestern province is doing well, Zambia is doing well. Right. Right. So there has to be a paradigm shift in the thinking of our politicians. Uh, Instead of just thinking, how can I stay in power? They should be thinking, how can I leave a legacy of of of, of uh, development and and a good governance i think that's where we got to start i know it's a wish for thinking but i gotta say what i i think okay uh, uh how how do we devolve then power from uh, these leaders and give it back to the people good point good question hello yes go ahead Cletus. Sometimes you call me Timpa, sometimes you call me Tessa, sometimes. <laughs> I'm you getting you confused call me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm shocked you're not recognizing your name. KC. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you KC again. <laughs> I, I, I like this. I like this. Um, we can't hear. We can't hear you. You're fading off. Can you hear me? You're sounding like, now you're sounding like you are far later. Now, now we can. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yes, yes, we can. Good, good, good. As everybody was uh, was saying, you know, we we have a very small country. I think our politics are very, very bad, uh, especially mm. when a politician can say, if you don't vote this person here, and then we're mm. not going to bring the money, as if it's their money, you know. That money belongs to I know. every Zambian, you know. know. That, right. that thing really pisses me off when I hear it from a head of state, for example, to say, oh, you're going to vote to our, our man, otherwise I can't work with the other person. Are you serious? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's public money. Yeah. Every yeah. Zambian yeah. says so that that money is equitably uh, distributed to every exactly. needed uh, place. You know, exactly. so that is why the idea the, to think that the idea of the decentralization will, will be, you know, a, a, a silver bullet. I really don't believe that. The thing is, is the accountability, you know, where the systems work and, and they work for the people, every Zambian, every place, every corner. So, so. Titus, I want you. I want you to answer to this one. Uh, uh, I know the the common theme has been that uh, you know uh, a politician will encourage uh, voters to vote for you know a person from their party if they want to see development. I know they've done that. 
But how much of that is just political rhetoric? And I bring this up because uh, I'll give a specific example. Uh, the late Michael Sata, may he so rest in peace, uh, you know, used that as well. But we saw development going to Choma, for instance, where he relocated uh, the provincial capital from Livingstone to Choma, uh, upgraded it to a district, and you know, uh, infrastructure was being built. So how much of that is political rhetoric versus what's uh, practical? Uh, I think uh, uh, it's both in terms of uh, if the way the late recreated these districts and moved the capital from Livingston to Choma. If somebody was doing things haphazardly, some things made sense, but some did not make sense from the context of there was no budget to run that movement of the of the district, because you start rebuilding the same things that you had built since independence in Livingstone. I mean, structure, infrastructure, and stuff like that. How do you start building a new uh, thing in Choma when you had another one that you could not even maintain in Livingstone? And to start so, with so, so, budget. So, so, so you are you're scoring political. <laughs> Mileage so the question, the question is how much how much of that is political rhetoric? How much of that is a scare tactic to the voters? Uh, the scare tactic to the voter is uh, it's uh, it, it, one of the other directions I, I see that it's not even a scare; it's just a, a flexing of the power that also is showing because tomorrow. He can say Lusaka is not the capital, and say Kafue is now the capital, and we have to do this and that. So, at the same time, it's not a scare. It's also proving that he has powers to do anything. This is why you could move a district or a, 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 a provincial capital from Livingston to Choma without even a budget. Not even going through parliament to approve it. You just haphazardly wake up and say this is what we're going to do and it happens. So somehow it's, it's, it's beyond being it's beyond scaring people. It's beyond showing that I have the power to do this and then do it. Okay. Later on they'll tell okay. you if you don't vote for this person I cannot work with you. People understand it's not even a scare anymore. He will not just do it. Okay. So, Kevin. Yes, Mr. Piaki, go ahead. Uh, if you're asking what percentage of what a politician says when he tells people that to vote for this person if you want development, well, I would say probably 90% from what the discussions I hear. Mm-hmm. Your politicians are not going to do it. I mean, you, we discuss that all the time. And Zambia don't have the natural resource, say like a Nigeria, where Nigeria have all then the revenue that they develop from oil, they uh, divide that up to the 36 states that's in Nigeria. I don't think Zambia is structured like that. I mean, you may correct me. It's like this. See, Zambia's parliament runs off of revenue. Now, I think that revenue is coming from people. I'm not sure. And you probably have some exports 
uh, import tax and so forth. But if you got revenue coming from people, why would you divide it up and give it back to the people? They might as well keep it in the first place. Right. <laughs> good point. Oh, my God. Good, good good That's a good point. Don't you buy white letters? You right, want to Yes. Uh, first of all, <laughs> Bianchi, you are touting a conservative, uh, you know, rhetoric, where, which which a lot of people know is a failed thing. You know, you know why all these conservative um, states in America, are the the top poorest, is because of that thinking where you think if an individual keeps the money, then everything will just be okay. No, it won't be okay because you need public infrastructure. We are just discussing about schools. You know, who funds the schools? It's the public. Who funds the police? Is the public. Who funds the army? Is the public. And all those rich people, they they benefit from, you know, those institutions. So if you keep them, keep your money. Don't give it to the government. And then the the war breaks. You, the government has to borrow. The poor people have to pay for it. You know, those things don't work. Mr. Pianchi, uh, you that, 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 I, I think you can. Oh, here's the thing. It, it, for instance, like I told you, how things is, works in the United States. You have public institutions and you have private institutions. We have public colleges, universities. We have private colleges and universities. The private ones, people support themselves. And here's another thing: you don't have structured in Zambia. You have you have here in America you have institutions that are classified as tax deductible. In other words, I can give them a million dollars and write it off against my taxes. They can they can have revenue and it, they don't have to pay taxes on it. For instance, like the National Society of Black Engineers, and they produce these STEM graduates for corporations. I mean, Lockheed Martin hired 400 just this past March out of the thousands that was being hired by other corporations. Well, corporations can give to that organization that has programmed to produce what they want. And when they give, they can write that off against their gross tax income. If their gross tax income would be $36 million, if they give a million to Nesby, now their gross tax income would be $35 million. You don't have that structure in Zambia. (laughs) Your resources, and another thing, your resources should be paying for a lot of things. That's why God gave you those resources. You don't. I don't know that are they being utilized correctly. That that is true. Absolutely, absolutely correct. We have a lot of resources in Zambia. Well, then, if you have companies, for instance, in 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 a region, let's say the Tonga region, if you have a company that's doing business. Uh, extracting resources, then a portion of those resources should come back in order to fund operations in that region, that's, whether it's schools, whether it's hospitals, or whatever. Is because, because, because big corporations that operate in a lot of poor countries in Africa, um, twist, they do um, twist government, you know, so they get away with a lot of, you know, tax dodging, tax... You know, and 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 they they force the government to give them tax breaks. They they pay very little. That's the point. That's the problem well, too. It's a probably corruption going. See, another thing you got to remember too, the conversation that you're having today 
talking about how to make the government do right, somebody else is having a conversation with your government members how to make them do best for them. Believe me. These conversations right. is not monotonous. So, you know, those are things that have to be figured out. I would depend less on government. You, you, you hear me all the time. I don't like to depend on government. If you're going to get it done, you got to get it done yourself. Hmm. That's uh, that's a good point. Okay, uh, we have uh, about three minutes. Uh, anyone want to uh, chip in with their last uh, contribution? Um, yeah, yeah, I uh, just wanted to say. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'll let. Uh, no, Doc. Let me just say, Kelvin, great show. Uh, let me just say that education will be one of the forums at the at the September event. We have a good panel there of people going to address that. Okay, great, great. Thank you for that, Nathan. So uh, just a quick reminder that uh, September 13 uh, to the 14th, we will be meeting in Dallas to celebrate the 10th anniversary of ZBTR, as well as uh, host a business conference, very interactive. Uh, we'll have uh, profound speakers. Please uh, make a date with us. Uh, purchase your tickets on zbtr.org, zbtr.org. Tickets are a $50 cut price. Uh, your early uh, uh, bird special on the hotel is $89. This has been Zambia Blog Talk Radio, August 10th. Uh, this is Kelvin in Indianapolis. I want to thank all the callers. As usual, you make uh, this platform uh, rock. Uh, we have uh, people with alternative names, such as Casey, Cletus, and Timpa, whichever one they uh, choose to be called by. They are... They are contributors. <laughs> Have a wonderful Saturday. Uh, please remember, next Saturday we will be back with uh, Roger and Nathan. Uh, we shall resume normal programming. Thank you, everybody. Good Have job. Have a wonderful Kevin. Saturday. All right. Bye. Atmosphere Nation The opposite of right is left and wrong Get it perspective Two sides to things Go and digest it This goes beyond the cross on my necklace Cause now mission impossible on my checklist Check this Waiting war on who the predator Seeking whom to devour I don't wanna let him score Big things at one Slingshot kinda small But the impact make a grim man hit the floor That's it How can you ask the toolmaker If you well equipped It's like asking the outstanding To take a seat inside Man of course I can kill a beat Ben fly You're thinking cause I'm born again now That the boy can't flow the same now In sight like I'm seeing light from a plane now Clouds on my playground Maganizo, Pandeke, meditation, Pandeke, there is liberation, Pandeke, sin to feel the money, no, no, Maganizo, Pandeke, meditation, Pandeke, there is liberation, Pandeke, sin to feel the money, no, no, Alo, Olivani, today I got boss, what he could to all those who were like Kawe, in an Enzoconda Pompi Mublaze, Wauna and Ale Conveca, Game Ukutembenu Kanon Kalasega, in an Xbox Generation Aleka, Queen Bavina, Nigospeo Yeka Yeka. 
Let me tell you this, I ain't apologetic The Facebook revolution, armchair critics I wanna make swag family friendly Cause I know a young generation is listening Mind growth is what I endorse School cats call it a free course Funny how I see better 